This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Happy Friday, everyone. It's Friday, October 28th, 2022. I'm coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I want you to meet my morning stars. Hey, Mark from D.C. Hey, everybody, all my folks over here on the Santita Jackson and Friends page on Facebook and on the Santita Jackson YouTube channel. Please go to the YouTube channel, okay, everybody, and like and subscribe. And we've got Dave and Miss Robinson and Andre and Philip out there in Pennsylvania. Ooh, Shirley from beautiful Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. That's right. So many of you, Joyce, hey, 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 sending you all much love today. I want you all to call in at 773-763-9278. Haven't forgotten about you, Miss Yvonne. I'm going to give my uh, my board operator your number because we're going to bring you on at 7 o'clock. want to hear, you know, from the people what, the, what you feel about these elections. 13 million people have voted in the midterm, smashing all kinds of records, not just in Georgia. But all around the nation, people are voting, voting, voting. You need to vote, too. Find out if you have been purged from the voter rolls. Find out what your voting status is. Go to vote.org, vote.org. Find out if you've been purged from the voter rolls. You can rectify that. Um, Also, find out where you need to vote. Many precincts have been closed since COVID, and they've not been reopened. And for various and sundry reasons, you need to They've been closed, and you need to find out where you need to go vote, exactly where you need to go vote, because where you voted a couple of years ago or even last year, that might be closed. But also, if you are going to vote early, and that's happening all over the country, wow, if you're going to vote early, if you have problems with voter intimidation, if you have questions uh, as you're standing outside or once you get into the polling uh, center, what you should do is call 1-866-OUR-VOTE. 1-866-OUR-VOTE and find out what to do. Do not leave. Do not leave until you have voted. Do not leave until you have voted. Call 1-866-OUR-VOTE. So let's get right to it, everybody, uh, because we're going to be talking about voting today. 40% of Americans feel intimidated about voting because you have people who are standing at ballot boxes, uh, toting guns, rifles, and you have people who are doing all kinds of things. And we want to find out uh, what you can do to protect yourself. Daryl Jones from the Transformative Justice Coalition will be on with us in just a few minutes to tell you what you need to do to protect yourself. 773-763-9278. I want to know what your thoughts are, everybody. Chicago will have a high of 55 degrees. It will be partly cloudy. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, 62 degrees, partly cloudy. And the Lakers will be playing the Timberwolves. Yes, it's that time of year going into the World Series. Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, everything is cracking right now. The Bulls will be playing the Spurs. And last night, wow, Tom Brady's having a really tough time, everybody. The Buccaneers, 22. The Ravens, 26. The Buccaneers are actually under 500, 3-5 record. The Ravens have a 5-3 record. 
Who knew? Well, God bless them all, everybody. Uh, early voting, breaking records, everybody, as I said before. 13 million people have voted. How do you think they voted? Who do you think is going to win? Hopefully the people will win, everybody. If you have student loans, everybody, President Biden is predicting that you will start receiving debt relief within weeks, despite the program being put on hold due to a court challenge brought by six Republican-led states. Wow. So I hope that happens for everybody. And a move that some people are saying is dangerous for us all, Elon Musk, the world's richest man, aside from the royal family of England, he is completing his Twitter takeover. What do you think about it? What do you think about it? He says he wants free speech. He uh, has pledged to put former President Donald Trump back on the platform. Do you think that's a good idea? Or should he be kept off the platform, essentially censoring him? Does that make him weaker or stronger? You let me know. 773-763-9278. And remember, as we go through history... Our heroes today were the rebels and the hated people in their day. Remember, a prophet is without honor in his or her homeland. And they oftentimes are hated and misunderstood in their time. Now, I am not making President Trump that at all. But I think that, you know, for my own person, this is editorializing in the middle of the headlines. You enlarge people when you try to muffle them. I don't know. Call me. 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. An appeals court has cleared the way for the IRS to turn over Donald Trump's tax records to the House Ways and Means Committee. This case is one of the several long-running lawsuits where the Democratic-led House is trying to access years of financial records related to former President Trump. Eleven Illinois universities ranked among the best in the world, which is good news. But the other interesting news is this. For the first time since they have been ranking the world's best universities, China now outnumbers the U.S. in the number of top universities. For the first time since they have been taking these rankings, now China has surpassed the U.S. by 58 spots So, you know, President Trump called uh, President, uh, Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams, he called uh, he called President Jimmy Carter, interestingly enough, during his presidency. And he said, you know, I just get the sense that America is not leading. We're falling behind. I just can you help me with this? And President Carter said to him, he said, well, it's kind of simple. What China does is uh, they don't have wars. They build. If you look at what they're doing in Africa, they are building. They are building the infrastructure in their country. They're building hospitals, airports, yes, universities. Look at what we're doing with our money. And those are the headlines on the St. Peter Jackson Show. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, you're going to be preaching here this weekend in Chicago. We love it. We love it. Where will you be, Pastor Williams? I will actually be at Mount Zion Baptist Church of Joliet (laughs) this weekend. And I'm so excited, Pastor Curtis Bryan and his congregation. They are celebrating their church anniversary, and so I'm coming to celebrate with them, and I'm very excited. Well, please, you are going to bless them, I know. Bless them, I know. What is the good news? Well, the good news sort of lends itself to everything you've been talking about. There's so many things, as we know, going on in the world, and 
The thing that we have to do is set our minds on things that are above and not things on earth. So I had an interesting experience at a hotel here uh, in Chicago as I've been staying here. And one of the one of the churches so graciously had me at a guest at a hotel, beautiful hotel, downtown Chicago, overlooking the river, overlooking the city. And the pastor asked me, have you seen your view? And I'm like, my view is amazing. He said, have you seen the water? I said, no, I don't overlook the water. I overlook the city. But I can see the tower. I can see all the beautiful buildings. The foliage is amazing. The city looks fantastic from my purview. I'm on the 28th floor. This is fantastic. And he said, oh, that's great. I'm so glad you're happy. And I'm enjoying this vast panoramic view of the city, looking out of one window. Well, as we're talking, I'm strolling around the room as I often do when I'm on the phone. And I get to a little corner window, a window that I had not looked at, a window that I had not looked through. Well, all of a sudden, I open the curtain, and there it is. Not only the river, but Lake Michigan as well. It's hmm. <laughs> beautiful, amazing view. And as we're talking, I say, there it is. I see it. I do have a river view. And it was like my whole world just opened up. You know what I call that? I call that perspective. Maybe somebody needs perspective today. Are you looking out of one window thinking that's all there is that life has to offer? Maybe the window you're looking out of has a phenomenal view. Maybe the buildings are fantastic. The foliage is great. There's nothing wrong with what you see. But could it be that God wants to show you more? What window are you looking out of today? Do you need to take a walk? Do you need to shift your environment in order to take a peek out of a window where there's so much more, so much greater? There's a whole river and a lake at your disposal, and you didn't even know it because you're fixated on what you already see. That's perspective. So what I'm encouraging you today to do is to change your perspective so that you might change your life. Change your view. Change what you're looking at. Change who you're spending time with. All of those things can change your life. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in a rut. Well, the way you approach each day determines on the kind of life you have and your perspective. At some point, you'd like to experience a troublesome event, some issues, some problems, until you make the decision to adjust how you look at the situation. For me, I was perfectly content looking at the beautiful city of <laughs> Chicago until I shifted Change my position and changing my position changed my perspective. And I learned that there was so much more the city had to offer me. Once you alter your perspective, you're able to clarify sometimes your issues and find a solution. The first thing I want you to do is entertain the imp improbable. I didn't even consider that there was another window in the room <laughs> because the room I was looking, window I was looking out of was the largest one in the room. And so my assumption was, oh, this, this window has the best to offer me. I never considered that there was more. Maybe you don't think something is possible, but what if your desire could become a possibility just by changing your perspective? Vow to be more accepting. New people, new situations are inevitable. And the best way sometimes to change your perspective is to be open to new ideas brought to you by new acquaintances. Had that pastor never said anything, I probably would have never looked out that other window. Seek a more positive lifestyle. Perhaps they didn't really plan to do something in your life. Maybe it happened spontaneously. 
out of a need that that occurred. Something happened when you just went with the flow. Maybe your birthday's coming up in two weeks. Maybe someone's planning a special surprise for you. Be open to a positive lifestyle. Be open to surprises. Be open to opening curtains to change your perspective. Avoid looking at things from an old view. The view that I had, again, nothing was wrong with it, but there was something better in store for me. Had I just stayed at that window, I never would have found the new one. And another beautiful strategy to change your perspective is to let go of past things. Maybe let go of a grudge. Maybe let go of a relationship so that your world can be open to something new. So remember, change your perspective. Don't be afraid to open the new curtain. Don't be afraid to open a new window or a new door. You never know what God has in store for you when it comes to changing your perspective. Set your minds on things that are above and not things that are on earth. And that's the good news. That is the good news. Thank you for that. I needed that. I needed that. I need. I needed that today. That is the good news. That is the good news. You know, and it just yeah. takes a slight shift, a slight shift, and your whole world can change. Your whole world, your perception of your... Oh, my gosh. Thank you for that. I mean, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. You opened up a curtain. You opened up a whole new world. And all Unbelievable. Yes. Yes. Where will you be on Sunday? I will be at Mount Zion Baptist Church of Joliet on Sunday with Pastor Curtis Bryant. Mm-hmm. Oh, bless your heart. I'm so, 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 so glad. We just love you so much. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, love you, love you, love you. Can't wait to see you over the next couple of days. Absolutely. You know what? We're on the verge of Halloween, Pastor. <laughs> We've got our infection care. We've got our infection prevention. It's a brilliant Dr. Shanina Knight, registered nurse, uh, college lecturer, the executive director of the Association for Professionals in Infection Control and Epidemiology's Research Practice and Innovation Center, uh, largest gathering of these professionals in the world. You said you wanted to talk about Halloween today. What's going on? Good morning. How are you? Great hearing your voice. Yes. I was about to say, I took a late flight last night, so I'm finally back home. Um, So it's been interesting. Like, there's been a lot of different perspectives in regards to people celebrating versus not celebrating, um, their perspectives about celebrating. And I think the biggest thing is, is like, we know, is that COVID has definitely changed the perspective on how people feel about the holiday just in general. So there are some individuals, because of safety, um, have decided that they're not doing it. There are others that have decided that they are. I think the biggest thing is, is whether you choose to or not, how you do it safely. And when I mention how you do it safely, how do you think about it in a manner of where you're saying to yourself, my kid is going to be getting candy, potentially, or I'm going to be giving it out. And so something as simple as when people are coming to your home, and I'm just going to take it as your candy. If they're coming to your home and you're giving candy, do you want everyone's hand going in the bucket to be able to receive candy to pick out what it is they want? And the other question is, is do individuals want your hand going in the bucket to hand them a piece of candy? Think of the hands during trick-or-treat and not. Eventually, 
make it home, they may or may not, again, end up with a situation of where the plastic from the wrappers end up being the transmitter of some sort of droplet. So what are suggestions or alternatives to being able to do so? Even though it's not perfect, if you know that you're looking to allow kids to get more than one um, piece of candy, it can be laborious, but consider actually making little candy bags so that way you're not, their hands are not coming directly in contact with the candy, so that's an alternative. The other piece as well, which I've seen has been very creative, is people have put um, candy on little steaks almost. And so, like, they've taken, like, little steaks and they've literally, like, stapled a candy bag to the steak for people to be able to grab out of their yard so that way they don't have to make direct contact. The other piece is, is it may just be simple as you saying, like, hey, I'm going to make sure that I clean my hands or I want to have a hand cleaning station there, you know, before people grab candy out of the basket. But just understand that there are different variations of clean hands. So I'm bringing these things up because it does vary. And that's like the trick-or-treating side of things when we're talking about, well, what should I do? The other piece of it is it's the party aspect of it. So naturally, there is the kid portion of it where they might be arts and crafts and activities. It's understanding that with uniforms, I mean, with costumes and different things being set down on surfaces, the question is, 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 are there mechanisms set up that allow children to be able to clean their hands in between activities? Is there mechanisms set up for surfaces to be cleaned if they're doing activities? For adults that choose to go out and party, are you thinking about what's happening in the midst of your uniform? Meaning, does your costume, and I'm saying uniform, but does your costume end up serving as a vector? Meaning that, yes. How can, how can that happen? Yeah, meaning it's cute, it's fun, and it's festive, this, that, and the other. But if it's something that everybody has access to be able to touch, and you have to touch it too, right? Such as you touching mm-hmm. your wings, and they touching your wings too. It's like then have you set your up to then become contaminated based off of someone else also having something so attractive that you're touching. And it's not to say that that means change your costume. It just means be conscious that, yes, someone else is touching these same wings that I'm touching. And I'm just giving an example of what that could be like. So we have that as an example, unfortunately, Santita. And the thing is, is not to make people fearful. It is to make sure that we are thinking through these things as we celebrate the season. We know that illnesses exist. We know that we are in the midst of where the weather is changing. We also experience allergies. So we got allergies, RSV, flu, monkeypox, um, COVID, uh, pneumonia. So a lot of flu of just different stuff that's going on right now that you want to make sure that you're doing as best as you can to make sure that you're staying as safe as possible. If you're trick-or-treating and you know, like, let's say that the weather is cold and rainy, it's a likelihood that your nose is going to run or that somebody else's nose is going to run. If you're not feeling well, stay home. Because the thing is, is in your mind, it might be important to go out and trick-or-treat, but you potentially are putting somebody else's health at risk. (laughs) And one thing that we know is that Halloween comes around every year. 
You get no argument from me. But, you know, thinking about reaching into into the the Halloween pumpkin or into the bowl and grabbing uh, the candy, didn't think about that, you know. Um, and say, you know, and please, I've gone to many receptions, you know, where they, where it's a buffet or when you stand in the line and you get the food and so many people are not covering the food. You know, now the food is open. Oh, I'm just telling you, it's just, that's where people are. I mean, I've got 30 seconds. Yeah, so Santita, back to what it is that you were mentioning about people, um, about, and I'm going to go back to these candy baskets. Imagine you are the person handing out the candy and you have run over the candy. Imagine you having people come pick out of the bowl and because they're able to look down at the bowl, they're talking while they're looking over the bowl and droplets are spilling into the bowl with the rest of the candy. I don't have to imagine yeah, it. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I, and it's crazy because when you say that to somebody, they're like, you're just being a super germaphobe. But it's like, no, it's these unexpected things are the biggest ways for which transmission happens that we just don't ever tend to think about. Well, you know what? When you come back on Monday, Lord willing, I want you to remind us, you don't make us paranoid, you make us aware. We love Dr. Shanina Knighton at Hey Dr. Nina at H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A. Let's talk about protecting our vote. Forty percent of us are worried about going to the polls because we think we might encounter violence there. That ought to make you get out there and vote just to counter it nonviolently. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody, back to the Santita Jackson Show talking about the vote. But, you know, we were making a point for those of us who are on uh, who are on Facebook, and I wanted uh, Dr. Knighton in a couple of seconds to be able to finish up her point. We were just talking about how, you know, I came across a headline that uh, for the first time since they have been ranking universities in the world, China has more top universities of the world than the United States. And um, she was making the point that, you know, we emphasize entertainment and not engineering, for example. And I was making the point that we do not emphasize artistry <laughs> and oh, as, as much as we uh, emphasize. And we don't we don't do that with arithmetic. The fact is, music is oral math. You learn in intervals. It's mathematical. It's highly mathematical. They call it math, music, and math. Stephen Sondheim, the great songwriter, lyricist, and songwriter. Um, same thing, kind of, sort of. And he was a pre-med student. And he said, but like many pre-med students, as I was, I switched to music like I did. <laughs> he said, but, you know, they call it math, music, and meds. So, you know, we've got to we've got to appreciate all that goes into being excellent at what you do. You don't just get on a television show, somebody gives you a mic, and then you become a star. Are you kidding me? It takes years to become great at anything. Malcolm Gladwell said Absolutely. it takes 10,000 hours. But, you know, I give, I give 30 seconds to you, truly 30, because I've got to move on. No, I got it. But I just want to say, so exactly how you mentioned, like, recognize the geniusness that goes into each of that entity. 
I'm saying give that recognized the geniusness, you know, to the physicist. Give that to, mm-hmm. you know, the black woman that found, you know, a cure for cancer. Give that to the individual, you know, that is doing something when it comes to, to let's say, literacy, right? So I'm just mentioning that if we gave the same energy and hype on our mm-hmm. television, to a lot of these other fields that we do give to the entertainment industry. And if we made sure that it was highlighted, meaning that I love art because art fans to tell our story. Sure. But if we highlighted it in that manner, then I guarantee our perspective would be different. And our children would think that it Absolutely. is something to come besides doing some of these other things. I'm not minimizing them. Oh, I'm no, I didn't think that you were. Those options, yeah, then we would be yeah. I don't think that I don't think that you were, but I wish they would have gone go with Michael Jordan when he's practicing, when he does not make the varsity team. Absolutely. And how he how he sat in the yard, how he stood in the yard with his father and his father drilled him in basketball all summer. Talk to Kobe Bryant, who what all of his opponents saw him on the basket. He was on the basketball court before you and after you. He said, I'm I'm the best and there's a reason I'm the best. You just have to work. And and the thing is, we do not respect excellence and what it takes to be excellent at anything, at being a janitor, at being a cook, at being anything. We are in a microwave society and we are paying for it. But I love you, but I got to move on. I got to get, speaking of great cooks, we've got celebrations by us. Shapurl, I'd had one, I didn't realize I had one of your oxtails left. So, you know, I'm waiting on more. I had that last night for dinner. Good morning, Santita. My soup. <laughs> Good morning, Santita, and thank you so much for having us. Yes, a celebration by us. We are now taking your holiday order, so don't hesitate to give us a call. 708-526-4546. 708-526-4546. We can handle all of your Thanksgiving trimmings, as well as your mashed potatoes, your turkey, your mac and cheese, your sweet potatoes your greens and green beans, as well as also your famous desserts, the uh, banana pudding, the caramel cake, the sweet potato pie, whatever it is that you need for your holiday table, don't hesitate to give us a call, 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita. Blessings to you, Shapiro. Celebrations by us. Hey, everybody. 13 million people have voted. (laughs) Yesterday was 12.6 million, but now it's 13 million people have cast ballots, and the numbers are climbing. People are voting. More than 53 million absentee ballots have been have been requested. How many people will vote in person? It is just off the charts, not just in Georgia, but everywhere, everywhere. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that, because At the same time, 40% of Americans are worried about going to the polls because they're worried about encountering violence. So we've got to talk about how we need to protect ourselves, how uh, Stacey Abrams made the point. She said, look, just because we are voting in huge numbers does not mean that voter suppression is is still in effect. It is. Tens of thousands of people in Georgia already have had their have had their registration, their voting challenged. What does that mean, and how do you find out that your registration has been challenged? What does that What does that mean, and how do you how do you work past it? Does someone contact you? Is it happening in Illinois, in Wisconsin? 
A lot of things are happening everywhere. We've got Attorney C.K. Hoffler, chair of Rainbow Push, former president of the National Bar Association, the largest and oldest black bar association in the world, host of her own show at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday on WAOK. And, of course, she's a legal analyst on Court TV. But we're going to go to the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, brilliant lawyer and host of his own show with Attorney Robert Arnwine on WOL every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Forty percent of Americans are afraid or are feel that there's some violence looming at the polls. Um, and um, Brian Kemp says, well, look. Look at how many Georgians have voted. The laws I put in the place, they're protecting the vote. They're not suppressing the vote. Stacey Abrams says, ha, 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 not so fast. We're just outvoting the suppression. But still, we're being challenged. Help me with that. Is voter suppression real? What does it mean to be challenged? Tens of thousands of of Georgians have, have had their registrations challenged. Is that it? Attorney Jones. Well, good morning, Sam Tita, and uh, you know, you know, kudos to the Americans that are getting out there and getting their vote on, and being certain that they're breaking records uh, in various states that have already started uh, their early in-person voting across the country. So, when we come to the issue of, of uh, voter suppression, the voter suppression is very real. Uh, voter intimidation is very real. You know, you know, we hold up uh, both Georgia and Florida really as the poster children. Uh, of voter suppression legislation, and what is meant by that is that uh, they have they have actually codified, they've put in law uh, certain methods to make it more difficult uh, for people to be able to access and to be able to exercise uh, their right to vote. So you know, that that's what's happening, and and if you drill down, you know, more on that, you know, when we when they start uh, shuttering polling places, when they start uh, disallowing, making it illegal for people. Uh, to uh, receive food and water while they're in line waiting to to vote because of the long lines that have been created because they've shut down polling places, generally uh, in black and brown communities. So <clears throat> the voter suppression side of that is real. And that becomes voter suppression, because I want to be clear, because people say, okay, they shut down a, a polling place. How is that voter suppression? It becomes voter suppression for this reason. When you shut down polling places in black and brown communities and make it more difficult for them to access where they need to go to vote, rather than being able to simply stop when you're, uh, in your community polling place, uh, you have to travel miles uh, to go to a voting location. Then when you get to that voting place, that because other voting places have been shut down, the line is now increased. It's now a long line. So now you have to wait. You have to be able to have the time to be able to wait to be able to vote. And if you're in that line of two or three hours for some people, then there are questions of, you know, I haven't eaten. I'm, I'm thirsty. Do I get online? Do I, you know, what do I do? I need to take my medication. So all of these issues exist in that one example of voter suppression. And there are tons of examples of other voter suppression that exist. So when Stacey Abrams speaks of, the steps that have been taken by that Georgia legislature and making it more difficult and having people still succeed in voting. What she's speaking of are the preparation, the steps that people are taking to overcome these barriers that have been put in place. So it's not that uh, the, the legislation, the acts are not suppressive. 
in terms of trying to make it more difficult for people to vote. It's that the groups on the ground, the, the, the people in the streets, the, the voting organizations that are in Georgia and the various states are so preparing voters so that they know what they need, uh, that they can expect a long line. They know they need uh, uh, to, to uh, what they need to do with identification at the polls. All of that they're aware of. So that's what uh, she means when she talks about overcoming that voter suppression. You know, that's why we talk about, uh, and, and we have these conversations here with you, right, to talk about this is what you need to do to be prepared when you go to vote. Have your identification with you. Know you need to have that identification. Have more than one source of, the, of identification with you. One of the things that you were speaking of was the challenges that happen, particularly in Georgia, uh, of, of voters that are at the poll where someone challenges whether or not you have the right to vote whether or not you live where you say you live, whether or not you're who you say you are. And that happens at the polling place. And so you want to have multiple uh, sources of identification, at least one, but certainly multiple sources of identification with you so that if you're challenged, you know, okay, look, here's my driver's license, here's my identification card, uh, here's my, uh, you know, my, my other identifications that I've brought with me, you don't have to bring birth certificate, but whatever other sources of identification you bring with you, here they are, just in case you're challenged. So those are some of the things that, uh, that, that Stacey Abrams, I believe, is speaking of when she's saying, don't take credit by saying that you didn't suppress the vote. Give credit to the voters who are saying, uh, and the organizations on the ground that are saying, we're prepared for what you've done to overcome the barriers that you've laid out. That's what I think uh, is occurring uh, at, at that point, uh, Santita. And I also want to want to lay out this. You know, we talk about, and you'll hear us talk about uh, Arizona and other places where voter intimidation is occurring, where people, uh, and we hear, we talk about Mesa in particular and Maricopa County, uh, where people were seen with guns around drop boxes trying to intimidate uh, black and brown voters because, again, that's a black and brown voting Population, uh, population that's there, trying to intimidate them from coming to put their uh, their uh, their vote by mail ballots into the drop box, uh, as well as taking pictures of their tags and stuff. This is not necessarily, we're, we're not saying that this is the norm. We're not saying that this is the standard that wherever you go, this is going to happen. What we do want, though, is for you to be prepared should you encounter that situation. So that's that's the that's the awareness that we that we want to raise so that we're ready to. Uh, address any issues with regards to challenges at the polls, as well as any intimidators that are trying to intimidate you from standing in line or dropping your uh, dropping your ballot in the drop box. That's what's being addressed at this point, Santita. And kudos to the Department of Justice, who now has been uh, jumped right on top of this and has assigned some 94 different uh, divisions throughout the country to address these voter intimidations as they occur. So, you know, it's very real and it's being addressed and we are overcoming it. Before I go to Attorney C.K. Hoffler, what happens? What about these vote challenges? What are they? How do you find out if if your I guess, is it your eligibility to vote or if your if your registration's been challenged? How do you find out if that's happened? What how do you remedy that? Yeah, you know, typically uh, you find that out uh, because nothing is sent to you. Generally, you find that out at the polling place uh, when you go to vote. That's why we tell you to do two things, right? The first thing you want to do is go, before you do anything, you go to vote.org, vote.org, and be certain that you're still on the on the rolls to vote. Uh, after that, you want to be certain you take the identifications with you. 
Because when you get to the polling place, if you learn that you are being challenged, that you're, you know, that they're saying that you don't live where you, where you say you live, you want to have the identification with you to say, this is my address, this is where I live, this is where I receive my mail, here's my identity, here's, you know, a bill or whatever to show that, you know, this is, this is where I live, that this is my address. Uh, you want to have that in place. Most people find that out once they are at the polling site and, uh, and ready to vote. Hmm. Attorney C.K. Hoffler, uh, blacks in Georgia, for example, are about, what, 29 percent of the population, 27 to 29 percent. But so far, blacks are 31 percent of those who have voted. And there's still articles about lamenting the fact that, oh, my goodness, blacks might not come out and vote. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Why don't you talk about these other populations who are not voting for the Democrats? Because black people are doing that and we're getting out and we're voting. C.K. Hoffler. Santini, you're right. Um, I think we have to be careful about what the media is putting out there, because what the media is putting out there is not, and we know this, and no offense to all of us who are in the media in some form or another, but it's not always the most accurate picture. It's sort of taking a a screenshot of something based on the perspective that the media is trying to put out there. So when it comes to black voters in Georgia right now, black voters are turning out in large numbers, record numbers. And that is more systemic or more informative as to, it speaks to the desire not to be manipulated by one party or the other and the desire to, for people's voices to be heard. I think that's what that means because we're seeing so much, negative publicity, bad publicity, and we've got some candidates which truly, for some people, could be detrimental and make matters worse for black and brown people in Georgia. So I think that the the media is spinning this narrative, but the media, of course, is not focusing on other demographics. How are white women voting? What are the numbers of white voters? What are the numbers of conservative voters, whether it was Republican voters, what are white men doing? I mean, there's just, that's not the dialogue. That's CK. sensational. But CK, it it's also as if they're obscuring that, you know, they're hiding that. They're focusing on black people. I'm like, wait, 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 76% of white women voted for Brian Kemp over Stacey Abrams. I've not heard that data. I had to find it myself. So, you know, no, like, wait, wait, wait. you know, no. you know, it's okay. Yeah. Who's voting for Herschel Walker? I want to know how that vote is going to, instead of hazarding guesses about what's going to happen with uh, with Senator Warnock. Well, I'll tell you one thing: I do believe is true, and we have to be mindful of that. The conservative group and Republicans, and I, I, I state them differently, mm-hmm. are coming out in numbers as one monolithic group in supporting Herschel Walker. Now we can count on that. So that's that's what's happening there. It's not it's not made an issue in the press because that's a given. And of course, the press doesn't want to underscore that. What they want to underscore is this fight between two black men in the state of Georgia for the U.S. Senate seat that could very well make a determination as to who controls the U.S. Senate. You know, there are other seats in this country that are up for for fight, and no one's saying, "Well, this will control. This will be the determinant." seat in terms of who controls um, the U.S. Senate, but it's very sensationalized to have uh, 
a you know five star athlete, a, a one of our elite athletes in the state of Georgia, who's coming out, who was supported, who had no history, who is we don't even talk about the qualifications, who has what he has in his background, and yet he is really giving the sitting incumbent senator a run for his money. That's a sensationalized story. Why is that happening? We're black folks on that. That's what the media wants to sensationalize, because quite frankly, that's what a lot of people want to hear. I don't want to hear it, but that's what a lot of people want to hear, because that sells. What doesn't sell is, well, the Republicans are going to vote for Herschel Walker. We know that's the case. And, and so those of us who are looking at this and trying to and might feel that we don't necessarily support Herschel Walker or Brian Kemp, we have to go through that analysis so that we are not asleep at the wheel and so that we understand that we have to keep fighting till the last day of voting to get out the vote in our respective spaces. You know, there's so many people who are behind the scenes who are making a difference. There's so many people on the front lines who are making a difference in terms of getting out the vote, making sure that people are aware that they have to, to check their voting status. And, and Daryl said something that all of what Daryl said was, was, was critically important. But in particular, people need to understand a form of identification is a bill. Think of what you do when you go to renew your license. You have your old driver's license and they want two other pieces of identification to verify you are who you are. That's your light bill, your gas bill, your phone bill, some kind of bill that has your address on it. A bill that you got for your child's tuition. Social Security, something that can corroborate, that can support the fact that you are the person on that driver's license. Now, in some states, you have to have almost a perfect match of your signature. That's just draconian and crazy because people don't sign the same way two times. But in most states, that is being eliminated. But just be mindful of what the laws are in that state. So, Santita... The narrative in the media is going to be the narrative in the media. I'm more concerned about the narrative in the communities that need to get out and vote. And I think it's working in Georgia insofar as the grassroots organizations, the civil rights organizations are pumping the narrative, making sure that people are staying on track. And most importantly, you know, voters aren't crazy. They see what's on TV. You know, we don't need to to see another thousand commercials like we're seeing here in Georgia to understand what this race is about and how we need to be mindful of what Herschel Walker represents, what Brian Kemp represents, what Stacey Abrams represents, and what Senator Warnock represents in this state and how the stakes are very high. That's why I believe there are record numbers of voters turning out. That's, and, that's, you know, and that's Mandela Barnes. Mandela, Mandela Barnes up in Wisconsin, Charles Booker in Kentucky, Sherry Beasley in North Carolina, John Fetterman in, in Pennsylvania. You can just keep on going. These are some consequential races that we need to be looking at all over the place. Everybody's looking at Georgia, and we do need to look at Georgia. Georgia is emblematic of so much. That having been said, you have a tighter than this race in Wisconsin, in North Carolina. There are more registered Democrats in Kentucky than there are registered Republicans. Charles Booker should be running away with that race. They're sending, and I'm glad that President Obama is going to is going to Georgia. But black folks are already voting in Georgia. I mean, um, that's going to be encouraging, but he doesn't need to stay there long. He needs to get to Wisconsin. He needs to get to North Carolina. He needs to get to Pennsylvania. He needs to go get wherever he can give people a bump. And not just with black people. He's very popular with a lot of folks. 
he is. And let me just say something about President Obama. President Obama is on the airwaves. I was listening to WAOK, and President Obama had a commercial. So yeah. he's not just, and, and I think he's replicating, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm told that he is replicating that in other places where the races are very tight and where his voice needs to be heard. But in Georgia, I think it's particularly impactful when you're on WAOK, which is where Robert sure. Pillow and I have our um, shows, where you hear President Obama coming on and talking about the importance of this race and the importance of, you know, Senator Warnock. And you know, but you know what I do? I I also know how we are. You need to see, touch and feel. They need to put him on a plane like Reverend used to get on planes and go from city to city. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard hitting four, five, six, seven cities in a day. But I've just I've just seen it done. And that's what he needs to be doing. He's got to. And all I'm saying is he's got to. And guess what? You got to do that with Bernie. Because Bernie yeah. is the most popular elected official in the United States. Let's not sleep on that. I'm just, I mean, I'm not beating anyone up. I'm just saying I've seen it work. I've seen the Democrats retake the Senate at the height of the Reagan revolution. But that did not just happen out of thin air. That was something Reverend Jackson walked out of the 84 campaign doing what he always did, which is, Daryl, work, 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 work. You can't stop working. You don't take time off because these other jokers who run the world, they don't take their feet off the gas. Daryl, I got one minute before you both go. Daryl from the Transformative Justice Coalition, Attorney Daryl Jones. What do you want us to know this weekend? Because we can vote this weekend, right? Oh, absolutely. Everyone is up, should be up and voting very shortly. So as soon as you're available to vote, the first thing you got to do. I encourage you to do is to early vote if you have that option. Go to vote.org, of course, and check your status. Early vote if you have the option. I encourage you to early vote because if there is a problem, anything that, that you encounter, you'll have the opportunity to correct it. So early vote voting is the key. The other piece I want to be certain that I, I lay out, Santita, because I don't, want, uh, I don't want people to walk away with the impression that you walk up to the poll and someone jumps in front of you and says, I challenge you. Uh, and in Georgia, what happens is that the challenges are in writing and, and that they're submitted to the Board of Elections. But the problem is, typically, the voter will not know of that challenge until they go to vote. And that's when they realize that they're uh, that they're uh, they're you know, that they've been challenged uh, as to whether or not they have the ability to vote. There's supposed to be a hearing, but typically the hearing doesn't happen because it's not enough time. And so uh, ultimately, what they try to force you to do is to end up uh, Casting a provisional ballot because they're going to say that we need to have this hearing to confirm your residency, which is why I tell everyone, bring whatever identification you can with you to try to resolve any issue that's there. Just take it all with you when you go to vote, vote. And more importantly, go out and vote. Tell everybody, vote. It's voting season. It's voting time. Make it happen. Make it happen. Hey, everybody, sending you much love. Attorney Jones, my mistake, if you can, I need you to stay with us. I know that Attorney Hoffler's got to go. Sending you much love and many prayers, my dear sister. I don't know how you're doing all that you're doing, but she's on Court TV (laughs) as a legal analyst. She's on WAOK with her own show on Tuesday. She's with on this show. She has her segment, Legal Q&A with CK. She's taping a TV pilot. She's opening a new practice. She still has a law firm. She is a mom, and she is a a football mom at that she's going to all she's going to these division one games oh we love you girl i don't know how you do it and she looks fabulous well, too you. what i don't, I don't understand that 
But I'm look, I'm look, that's inspiring to me. <laughs> I'm not a hater. I'm an appreciator. Yeah, stay right there, everybody. More of the Santita Jackson show. We're going to be talking about this vote. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Miss Yvonne, we're calling you. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the second hour of the Santita Jackson Show. It's Friday, October 28th, 2022. It's a joy to be with you today on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. I want you to meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and on Santita Jackson and Friends on Facebook. We are talking about the midterms. Everybody's talking about the midterms and everybody's voting in it. That's so exciting. Yesterday I said, okay, 12.68 million people have voted. The numbers climbed way above 13 million and the numbers continue to climb. 53 million absentee ballots have been requested. And it is on and cracking everybody. So please get out there and vote. And go to vote.org. Plan your vote. Vote your plan. That is what Attorney Daryl Jones, chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, has been telling us to do for years now. Plan your vote. Vote your plan. Go to vote.org and find out if you have been purged from the rolls. Find out where you need to go vote. And then when you do go vote, if you encounter a problem outside the polls, inside the polls, go call 1-866-HOUR-VOTE. Don't leave until you voted. 1-866-HOUR-VOTE. Spread the word, everybody. I can hear a little background noise, everybody. So let us begin. In Chicago, we're going to have a high of 55 degrees, partly cloudy. Minneapolis-St. Paul, 62 degrees, partly cloudy. The Lakers will be facing off against the Timberwolves tonight. And the Bulls will be playing the Spurs. And what's going on with the Buccaneers? I know that is the question that Tom Brady is asking. The Ravens, with a 5-3 record, beat them last night 27-22. to Yeah, the Buccaneers are underwater. It's unbelievable. 13 million Americans have voted thus far in the 2022 midterm, smashing all kinds of records. Way more than a million people have voted in Georgia, breaking records two weeks. Well, not two weeks before the midterms. It'll be two weeks as it'll be a week from Tuesday. Get out there and vote, everybody. And at the same time, more than 40 percent of Americans are worried about voter intimidation at the midterm polls. Everybody, do not worry. Call one eight six six hour vote if you feel any kind of threat. Any kind of duress, that is what you need to do. If you are looking for your student debt relief, President Biden has predicted that student loan borrowers will will start receiving their debt relief within weeks, despite the fact that the program is being sued by Republicans. In the meantime, many people are saying that this is dangerous for us all. We'll see. Elon Musk, the world's richest man, aside from the royal family of, of England, is set to complete his takeover of Twitter. He will own that platform outright. How will he change it? We do not know, everybody. Uh, President, former President Trump's taxes. Uh, an appeals court has cleared the way for the IRS to turn over 
his taxes to uh, the, his returns to the House Ways and Means Committee. This case is one of several long-running lawsuits where the Democratic-led House is trying to access years of financial records related to the former president. And Illinois, good news, uh, has 11 universities ranked among the best in the world, everybody. Of course, they say the number one university in the world. <laughs> they didn't say Howard. It said Harvard, but... Uh, surely that's a mistake. But there we go, MIT, you know, Stanford, all of that. That's great. But, you know, Harvard, MIT, Stanford. I don't see Howard. I don't see Johnson, C. Smith, North Carolina, A&T, Hampton. Well, well, they're making mistakes. I don't know what their metrics are, everybody. But, you know, okay. <laughs> that's all right. But what is interesting about this, these rankings is that for the first time since they've been taking these rankings, China outnumbers the U.S., in the number of world's best universities. While we've been building bombs, they've been building universities. Ouch! And those are the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. In the meantime, you know we have been looking to build wealth here, to get you out of debt. And Team Hochberg can do it, everybody. If you have credit card debt. If you can't get a credit card, if you're using that debit card, get away from that debit card. You need a credit card. You say, I don't have the credit. Well, call Team Hochberg. They will come up with a plan so that you can get a credit card. If you have credit card debt, they will come up with a plan. They will negotiate with these credit card companies to bring down your payments and eliminate that debt. If you want to buy a house, you say, I don't have good credit or I don't even know where to begin. Team Hochberg can help you. Do you want to refinance your existing home? Team Hochberg, if you want to secure an FHA loan, a VA loan, if you want to find out about reverse mortgages, Team Hochberg, look at what happened with Tom, with Tom and Sonia, two children struggling to pay their mortgage, $100,000 of debt on 17 credit cards. It can happen to anyone. People are using the credit, their credit cards to buy groceries. It can happen to anyone, and it can happen just like that. Well, they called Team Hochberg, and they got an FHA loan. And they were able to pay off their 17 credit cards because Team Hochberg negotiated with the credit card companies to bring down their payments by over $2,800 a month. That could be you. It really could be you. Don't be embarrassed. Just call them at 1-855-56-DAVID. 855-56-DAVID or go to 56david.com. 56david.com. It's free. Tell them your story. They've heard it all. You're not going to shock them. And let them create a plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But, you know, we want a plan for success. So call, so call Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or go to 56david.com. And let's get on the road to success. Oops, everybody. Let's get right to it. I want to know what you think about these midterms thus far. I mean, breaking all kinds of records, all kinds of records. And you know what? I've got one of my dearest friends in the world. Before we get to you, Attorney Jones and Attorney Aaron Connolly and Dr. Bob Starks, brilliant political scientist, one of the preeminent political scientists in the world, and Dave Daly, New York Times bestselling author, senior fellow at Fair Vote. We've got Harris, Texas County Commissioner Rodney Ellis, uh, you can't even get this budget passed. What's going on? What's going on with the vote? What's going on with you and the Republicans? Come on, don't be so mean, Commissioner Rodney Ellis. Good morning, Santita. You know that song that Luther Vandross had, uh, Turn Off the Lights? Well, I'm struggling to turn on the lights. <laughs> I was at some rate last night. But, uh, oh, two gosh. of us. 
great members of Congress, Al Green and Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, Bishop Dixon, some of your friends, host of other leaders, uh, talking about what we can do here in Harris County and in Texas. Obviously, Beto O'Rourke leads mm-hmm. our ticket, and that's a big part of it. And uh, he's down only two points in the polls. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sometimes when it's reported that you're down, that has a negative impact on our folk, some of our voters, and then they decide not to vote. Now, that's based on three days early voting. We don't know the tab from last night. The black vote in Harris County, which you've heard me say before, as is the case of uh, 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 Cook County, larger than 25 states, so it's massive, with 4.8 million people. Black vote needs to be in our county about 20% of the overall turnout. If we're 20%, 90% of those will be for Democrats. We win. Uh, and we keep the 26-odd uh, African-American women who won benches when Beto ran. They became criminal and civil benches. So there's a lot at stake. Republicans have used every tactic in the book, whether it hurts the region or not. We have a court in our law. It's a five-person governing board for the county, for Harris County. And four of us have to be present. So the Republicans just decided that they wouldn't come. We only needed one, and they could have voted no. If not, under new state law, we had to revert back to the previous tax rate, which means despite the growth in this county, the increase in property values, the increase in uh, cost of living and everything else, it means that we'll have to operate our county, which is with the same amount of money that we had a year ago. So we got to make cuts. And when you make cuts, obviously that means people. But, uh, you know, look, we've not given up yet. It's important to point out to people you can't get disgusted and just decide because your candidate is down in the polls. The other side has more money. The only poll that counts is what you do at the polls when it's, when they're open. And so we have uh, souls to the polls this Sunday. They changed the law so we don't have as much time as we used to have. But we had a call meeting last night, short notice by 22 people here in Miss Alicia Green's home. You know, they were complaining about where I was a chicken. We put it in the campaign. We didn't say it down. Eight o'clock meeting, probably until about 11 o'clock last night. But look, we've not given up and uh, we're being outspent, uh, but we refuse to be outworked. And that's mm-hmm. what it's going to take. What do you think so, is it matters? You know, you know, every election we say this is the most important one. Well, democracy really is on the ballot. These folks want to take over some of these nondescript offices like county clerk, tax assessor. In the past, they handled the elections in Harris County. We went to an election administrative system. If they get control of this five-person governing board, when I got here six years, years ago, you had one person of color, one Democrat. you talking to her. Two years later, in large measure, because Beto was running for the United States Senate in Texas, raised an unprecedented amount, generated unprecedented enthusiasm. And we ended up with 25 or so black women who won benches that previously had been controlled by the other party. With all of that, lock them up, throw away the key for everything. You know, all around the country, they've had a concerted effort to use this crime issue against us. And I'm sure they started thinking about it during the Jewish Floyd demonstrations. They were angry. So 
So you had a slowdown in many parts of the country in terms of police officers doing that job. They're angry. You got me? Because they weren't getting the love they thought that they ought to get. And then somebody came up with that nutty slogan of saying they wanted to defund the police. And then they flipped that on us. When in most places, in the case of my county, 65% of our budget goes to justice and safety. Traditional boots on the ground is 40% of it, of the general operating budget. And so we've increased it. But, you know, that message never resonates for some reason, according to the polling data. When Democrats say it, they just don't believe it. Because Republicans have pretty much cornered that market, probably going back to George Wallace when he ran for president or the, the Nixon era. But so that's where we are. I'm telling people don't give up. So despite going to bed at about 1230, I want to get up and do your show because we, we, we just, oh, look, we were saying last night, who can come in and motivate all these folks? Uh, is it Reverend Jackson? You know, God bless him with his health issues. He, he could always, I joke last night, he'd always do his calls, by the way, at 9 o'clock. He'd do them at 9 o'clock. Because back then, everybody wanted to watch the news at 10. They'd shorten the speeches. You know, but, you know, we're trying to get Obama uh, to do some robocalls, a video, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, Kamala. You know, we'll be reaching out to your dad later on today. Whatever we can do, that black vote. And we'll do that it. black vote is 20 percent, you know, uh, that means we win. If it's not, we, we don't. We will do it. I hear something in the background. I'm sorry. Uh, somebody, if, if you have the radio on, whatever it is, please turn it off. Because we're here, we're getting feedback. Oh oh no, it's okay. But, but you know, but but it's going to require that because I certainly wasn't trying to be. I don't need to say that. Things I already know what it takes to win. I know when you have the most popular figure in the party, who is President Obama, then you need to get out here and you need to hit the bricks, kid. Everybody does. Vice President, you got you got to get out here and hit it. And that's not being disrespectful. We've. Commissioner Ellis, you know, we have done this. We have been on the plane with Reverend. When, when they would say, oh, he got a private plane, Reverend is hitting four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten cities a day. States. That's why he got the plane. So he could go all through Texas, which is as big as a country, or he could go from New York to Chicago to California. I've been with him when he's done that in one day, several days, several, many, many times. That's what it takes to win. Because also, we need to see people, Robert Starks. You know, we're the kind of Absolutely. folks who need to be, we need to see, touch, and feel. It, you can't just, I mean, a robocall is important. Absolutely. But you got to do all of that to keep people excited. Because the media are, are being very purposeful, Commissioner Ellis, and telling, and, and telling black folks that we're not voting. And we're over-indexing in the vote. Black folks are voting like crazy. I don't know how white people are voting. Most white women are still not vo- going to vote for Stacey. If the trend of 2018 is still true, most white women are still not going to vote for Beto. If what they did in 2018 is still true. Dr. Starks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Listen, let me just uh, go back to the commissioner. First of all, we have to be very careful because polls can uh, use t- uh, against African-Americans. Number one, polls, most polls do not equally uh, touch or survey African-American voters. That's number one. And secondly, 
polls can be used as a weapon, as the commissioner said. If you if Beto is down by two points, then uh, they'll use that as a way of discouraging uh, Democratic voters to come to the polls. Uh, he's already lost. He's down by two points. So please understand that polling can be a weapon, and it is used by the Republican Party and the right wing all the time to uh, uh, to discourage voters, uh, Democratic voters, from coming to the polls. Hmm. You know, and, 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 yes. I was going to say, a big issue for us as well is getting people to go to the end of the ballot. You know, Texas had straight ticket voting. Uh, Six years ago, four years ago, we still had straight ticket vote. We have a long ballot in Harris County. You know, I joke and say we vote everything but dog catcher. Depends on if you have some local little municipal utility districts. You can get close to 96 different things on the ballot. <laughs> we have the county bonds and the city bonds. And the county government comes at the bottom. So, so can you imagine? Hold on, hold on one second. We hear someone in the background. Okay. All right. So can you make 90 some odd items on a ballot? It'll take about seven to eight minutes to vote, but you've got to go since we don't do straight ticket voting anymore. They did that, changed it for us. So that's a big challenge. Let's go around our county chair with no name ID, no money because Beto was running. Uh, 27 year old uh, Hispanic woman, but turned out to be a, a great county chair. She won with about 60,000 votes. It was a very close race. We didn't know until late that next this go right. She has name ID, but you still got to go look at the bottom of the ballot. New voting machines. We pick the heart system. We want a paper ballot so you know it's secure. So you have to put two sheets of paper in. So encouraging people, you know, vote from the top to the bottom. It matters. That's why we elect the judges, the people that will hear your civil or criminal mm-hmm. case. Your, your county officials, it matters. And if we can get folks in, then look, that polling data, you're right, it doesn't take us into account. And the more press they put on it, they know that it's a suppressor. And then look, when we get in power, you know, when I was the only person of color, only Democrat on the board, people didn't expect much and didn't come to the county. The meetings lasted longest when may have been one hour at most with me doing all the talking. Prior to me getting there, they told me the longest meeting was 30 minutes. I drag it on. Another thirty asking questions. Now we one time we ended about two in the morning, ten a.m. until two in the morning, one hour lunch break. But uh, letting people know that if they're angry because they don't see us and everything, I represent one point two million people. I'm not up to stack, but there's no way I can go out and shake all of those hands. And then I'll say, well, when was the last time you saw the name of the folks on the other side? They never seen them. So I'm on TV. Because they have unprecedented resources. And as I said, it's a concerted effort all around the country. They're running on the same thing. They say they're going to be tough on crime and they're going to lower your taxes, which is almost a non sequitur. Where will the money come from? You're going to cut everything else. And it's Harris County, the largest county in Texas. Yes, it is. That's Houston County. Uh, and and does Harris County have the largest number of African Americans of any other county in the in the state? We do, and you know Texas has the largest number, not percentage, largest number of African Americans of any state in the country. Wow! Because of Harris County. 
Well, you know what? When we when we come back, because I hear someone in the background, I hear someone in the background. You know, when when we come back, I want David Daly, because you know Commissioner Ellis and Dr. Starks and Aaron Connolly and, and Daryl Jones. When David Daly gives us these numbers and to see how vastly underrepresented we are, Commissioner Ellis and Dr. Starks. Dr. Starks, who, you know, he's a bit of a wonk. We love him. He's But he's a political scientist. He's very much a wonk. He loves these numbers. He and Frank Watkins, God bless them, love numbers. When he drills down on these numbers and lets us know just how underrepresented we are, it ought to make you get out and vote to find out how underrepresented you are in the U.S. Senate, to find out how underrepresented you are in the House of Representatives. Please, they were supposed to have expanded the House of Representatives several times. That's in the Constitution. So, you know, we need to get real about this thing. You know, we're winning every day. But as you said, Commissioner Rodney Ellis, you said Texas is a blue state that don't vote. <laughs> Just, it's not even purple. <laughs> Got about 30 seconds before we go to break. <laughs> Commissioner Ellis, what do you mean by that? I mean, because T- Kentucky, Charles Booker, there are more registered Democrats in the state of Kentucky than there are registered Republicans. And no one is even talking about that, Commissioner. It's just so difficult to get us motivated. 84, you know, people came alive forever. Uh, they came alive in 88 with Obama, unprecedented number. Big, big problem, he knows young people, 18 to 35, big problem getting them to come out. And that's the challenge. We have to vote. Forget what the polls say. Go vote. But why aren't they motivated to vote? I mean, I mean what's going on? 30 seconds? It, what's going you on? You know, because we've been beat down so long, you know, we just programmed to not expect much. Mm-hmm. And we prefer to complain about the problem instead of do something about it. I mean, people died because they had this right to vote. You got to vote. And we just got to keep pounding it away. Some system... A peer system, peer pressure. Well, you shame people. Look, we talking about Slim Thug, you know, making calls. Beyonce's from Houston. Uh, anybody we can we can get, you know, Jay Z, whatever it takes to reach that crowd. It may not be, you know, somebody who's been in office as long as I have. Sometimes they, they want a new face, and we got to do that. We're going to try it all. But just we're not going down without a fight. If we lose, it won't be for lack of effort by those of us who have a voice and the ability to make some noise, good noise. Good noise. And I tell you what, no matter what happens on November 8th, you got to keep running November 9th and 10th and 11th and 12th. Don't stop. The work does not end. It continues. The fight goes on and on and on. But I tell you what, victory is certain, but you got to keep fighting. Got to hear from you, David Daly. You got to give us these numbers. You got to drill down on the numbers. Aaron Connolly, you got to let us know what's going on, what you see, what you've seen in Pennsylvania, what you've seen in Arizona. And of course, Attorney Daryl Jones, what's going on. And of course, Yvonne Hanks from out there on the Northeast, out in Massachusetts, calling back in today. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show. And I hope you'll join us on Keep Up Alive this weekend. We're going to be talking about the midterms. Get out and vote, everybody. Vote.org. Go on. Let's change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Gotta save the children, we can't wait. Let's change the world. 
Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station at AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. We've been talking with Texas Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis. When you listen to him, you hear how important it is, David Daly, Dr. Bob Starks, Aaron Connolly, Daryl Jones, and Miss Yvonne Hanks. You hear, you know, just how important state, not just federal, but state local and countywide offices are. They control so much. But David Daly, before we go any further, I don't know if we understand just how vastly underrepresented we are. I mean, really. Please help us understand these numbers. Sure. Good morning, everybody. Um, I mean, really, if you want to think about how important those down-ballot, lower-ballot races are, just think back to the 2010 midterms, right after Barack Obama is elected president. Uh, And you know what happened? A lot of people stayed home that next year or got disappointed or frustrated, and Republicans had a real plan, and they executed a down-ballot strategy to win state legislatures across the country, especially in swing states, especially in places like your neighbors in Wisconsin and Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia. These close states, they went down-ballot. And one of the things that state legislatures control is redistricting. And right after 2010, it was a redistricting year. And just like Commissioner Ellis was just talking about, when you've got the power to draw these maps for state legislature, for the U.S. House, you can create a bunch of uncompetitive districts that pack all of the Democratic votes into just a handful of, of seats and give yourself most of the other ones. And then you are free to pretty much enact any wild-eyed, crazy, extreme policies you want without having to worry that you can be beaten at the ballot box. And that was the consequence of the 2010 midterms and people not showing up or voting a full ballot. Uh, And we are still living with it in so many states around the country. So after the 2018 midterms, uh, you had 59 million people living in a state in which one or both chambers of the state legislature was controlled by the party that won fewer votes. For the U.S. House in 2012, even as Americans reelected Barack Obama, expanded the number of Democrats in the U.S. Senate, and and gave Democrats 1.4 million more votes for the U.S. House. Republicans held on to the House, 234-201. And Barack Obama's second-term agenda effectively ended on the night he was reelected. When you add into that sort of the, the malapportionment of the U.S. Senate based on population, uh, you give every state uh, two senators, so Wyoming has as many as California, even though California is 66 times bigger, even though there's 120 counties in America. I'm sure Harris County among them, of course, right, that are bigger than the state of Wyoming. You've got just about two-thirds of all Americans living in nine states with 18 senators, which means those whiter, rural, more conservative states dominate that entire uh, body. 
factor into that on top of this, you know, an electoral college system in which the the, the winner of the popular vote twice in the last 20 years has not won the White House, and then the winner of the, the presidency in those years has appointed five of the six conservative justices on the U.S. Supreme Court, then confirmed by that Senate that is so deeply malapportioned and unrepresentative. And you begin to see the problem that we have. You drop a frog into a boiling pot of water, that frog is going to be pretty upset and holler. But if you just drop the frog in the water and slowly turn up the heat until it boils, the frog might not notice. And American democracy is that frog in the pot, and we are in a dangerous, dangerous spot right now. Mm, We are in a dangerous spot, uh, Attorney Connolly. We're in a dangerous spot. And I wonder if, you know, but we have been since, since the founding, since before the republic was founded. You know, just, you know, because our inclinations, Commissioner Ellis, Reverend Jackson said to us on Keep Up Alive on Sunday, he said it's always been a right-wing nation. All of these movements, Aaron Connolly, in America have been progressive movements against the establishment, trying to, you know, trying to move them along. <laughs> Attorney Connolly. You're absolutely right, and I think um, your father's history lesson on Sundays uh, was an important one for us to remember as we go into GOTB, and we're talking about these new voter suppression laws um, that are going into effect where people really need to know uh, what their rights are. So we're we're, we're not putting people in a position where (laughs) sheriffs are showing up at their door like we see in Florida for many of these returning citizens who are exercising their legal um, right to vote. And these systems have been in place since the founding of our nation. And what we have to understand and keep in mind, and we hear this from the wonderful Latasha Brown and Daryl Jones and Barbara Arnwine, that we cannot just look at voting as a one-time thing. And as we're focused on the um, the demographics that we're hoping will uh, turn the progressive tide and keep us on, on a blue wave, we're looking at um, young folks who traditionally vote at a lower percentage than uh, their older senior citizen counterparts. But we are seeing those trends uh, moving upward, where close to 50% of folks are saying, um, 18 to 24, that they're absolutely certain to vote. So that's, that's not the, the bottom uh, percentage that we're, we're hoping for here. If we see even a marginal increase in that, it can have an enormous impact, especially as those folks vote their entire ballot and not just at the top of the ticket. So when we're doing this voter education, it's important for those young voters and future voters, right, as we're as we're talking to these students who are who are mobilized, who are out organizing in their community. These are this is a generation that has grown up with the threat of climate change, with the constant threat of not only school shootings, but shootings within their community. I live in the Highland Park community here in Illinois and um the young folks, that is a big issue for them. And they are out in the streets at all the festivals and farmers markets registering folks to vote and organizing about gun violence prevention because they see this reality and they don't want it to be their future. And so I think we have a real opportunity and we're seeing great numbers of turnout um, in the midterms, which is so exciting. Um, the fact that I'm this excited about it uh, is a little scary for me. But, um, it's, it's it's a great trend, and we're always worried about those midterm numbers because it's, you know, not a presidential race. People are paying less attention, but there's so much money, and there's so much at stake 
that people can't escape this election. So the best way to get off those text lists and call lists is to vote early and let them know <laughs> that you turned in your ballot. That's the, the easiest way. So um, I think we have. I will vote today. But keeping in mind, the system, even when you're registered, is designed to make it hard for you, right? So you have to come Mm -hmm. prepared for battle when you're voting. And it shouldn't be that way, but for now it is, and we're all out there to help. Right. Well, you know, before I come to uh, before I come to Attorney Connolly, uh, excuse me, Attorney Jones, and to Ms. Hanks, and then go back to Commissioner Ellis, um, we were told yesterday by one of our callers, and I want to thank her very much because she said this is embarrassing. But no, she said part of your prep kit should be um, adult undergarments and pads because you might get stuck in the line. Make don't not drink water. Don't do that because that's not healthy. And have food with you and keep your medicine with you. And you know what? Maybe you need to carry one of these little collapsible chairs in case you need to sit down or someone else needs to sit down. How about that? I mean, think about that. If you go, when you go to vote, not if, when you go to vote, be prepared. Be prepared, Daryl Jones, to have to wait. I'm grateful when I don't have to wait. But there's, there's this polling site not too far from my home. There's always a wait. There is always a wait. Now, I mean, it's not hours long, but there's always a wait. I do not like going there, but I got to vote. So there it is. And I want to go on and get it done. So, you know, so what would you with all with 40 percent of Americans saying today? "Mm, I'm a little I'm a little nervous about violence at the polls. What do you have to say to them, Attorney Jones? Because the Transformative Justice Coalition, you are on your way to Georgia to observe these elections. Attorney Daryl Jones. Is he still there? Well, if not, well, Miss Hanks, why should we be voting? I, we were so inspired by you yesterday. Hello? Are you Hello. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you're on you're on with the panel. So talk to us why <laughs> why are you why are you so inspired to vote? Why am I so inspired to vote? Well first of all I am very proud to be an American, and I'm very proud to learn. I actually didn't grow up here. I grew up in Puerto Rico. So it wasn't until I was my 20 years old that I began to get engaged in politics, because in Puerto Rico, 80% of the voters, that's the turnout. So when I came here to the United States, to the mainland, as an American Puerto Rican, I didn't know a lot about politics. So I have to learn about it. What was the pulse of the politics here in the nation coming from this Caribbean island? So I learned very quickly that in here, if you really want to feel like you are a true American, you have to choose to participate. So you can count that you're actually part of the community, that you're just not expecting a ghost just existing, that your head is not counted. So for me, voting, it is, it is essential so I can be seen, I can be heard, I can be known. So that's the tool that I have that makes me feel that I'm part of this democracy. And, and also because I love the United States Constitution. What a beautiful document. One of the greatest documents there is. That when our founding fathers got together to put together this document, don't you tell me that they were not guided by some universal divine consciousness 
to do what is so right for mankind. However, it is us in our human nature that we distort the meaning of such an important document. And all that document that it speaks to us about is that we should all be one collective mindset of moving a democracy. We shouldn't be promoting that use of speech, hateful speech. And if we are looking up to our elected representatives, we should be holding to the standards of grace. Because when you're looking at a candidate, you're looking at an extension of the divine, regardless if that person or individual is conscious or not. But it is up to us, we the people, that we have to show those candidates to lead us. How we want to be led as people, devoid of hate, devoid of uh, bigotry or xenophobia, that's the kind of nation that we all want. So for me, why voting is so essential? Because I want to be seen, I want to be heard, and I want to be known. Like I am part of this country, like I am a contributing member of this country, and I want nothing but love and peace and well-being for my fellow Americans. So that's hmm. why I vote That's so important for well, Commissioner Ellis, I mean, I think that is really the message. And, you know, and I am mindful and mindful of the fact and, and grateful. First of all, you don't have to tell me you're an American. I already know that. <laughs> we need to understand that. No, I mean, you are. I don't care. I don't care how you sound. I don't care. I mean, really, in Puerto Rico is the United States. It is. It's a territory. And that's why, you know, it needs to be a state. But, you know, we can have that discussion another day. Well, first of all, Puerto Ricans need to determine what they want. But they certainly, you need you need a voting member of Congress, you know, of both houses. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, it's and all of that. I mean, Commissioner Ellis, so when I hear her and when I hear her say, you know, I'm, I, you know, I understand unfair treatment, but I still believe in this document. I still believe in this idea and ideal called America. And at the heart of that is my vote, Commissioner Ellis. I mean, when I hear uh, David Daly say, you know what, we're so underrepresented, but we still have to fight to be represented. Well, I want to stress how important it is for people to vote. We just can't forget that. And even if it's difficult, vote early, even if you have to wait. Think about this. Most of the things that really matter to us in life, we have to wait for. We wait in line at our most popular restaurant. You can get to, you can order to go, <laughs> you know. You, but we wait for it. Uh, most things, including the words in that great Constitution, those are things. America is an aspiration that we believe in, but we're waiting for it. It was certainly not. It was they were perfect words. It was not a perfect document. It also justified slavery. You got me? Mm-hmm. A whole. That's what the whole anti-critical race thing is about. Because we don't want to talk about how. America was built on the backs of free labor, slave trade. Mm. You got me? Uh, but it's an aspiration, and we want people to believe in it. it. It is important. But look, no matter how difficult it may be, we don't give up. It's not just names on the ballot. Hey, <clears throat> I'm going to be just fine if if I'm back in the minority again. It's not about me. It's those issues. It's minority business enterprise programs. It's diversity on the court. It's equity in how you spend the money. Uh, you know, I will say this, at least in our case here in this county. Bigger, by the way, I point out just to give you a sense of the size. More people in the county, Harris County, which includes Houston, than the whole state of Louisiana. More people in this one county. More people in this county than the whole state of New Mexico in this one county with 4.8 million people. Same way with Cook County. Imagine more people in Cook County than the whole state of Oklahoma. 
it matters. But at least when we get in power, I'm glad in the case of our governing board, we don't we didn't treat power as, as though it ought to be something you ought to talk about when you're looking at it in the rearview mirror. I mean, they after us because Jesse told me one time they always after the one carrying the ball. Well, we had the ball. We were running with it. You know, enacting policies to make equity more than a six-letter word, that's what's on the ballot. And it's not over with yet. You take the Biden administration. Other than looking at what, at what LBJ did in the Great Society, which was more than FDR did, because his was primarily for white people. You know, if you could get a GI Bill to go to college, if you were black, you had to go to college, it would take you. If you were brown, you had to act like you were something other than Hispanic. If you could get a, a federal mortgage, low-interest mortgage, to get, get a home, if you were black, you had to stay in a neighborhood that was segregated, but the value of the homes was not what it was in the white areas. We still are trying to overcome the legacy of racist actions implicit throughout many federal laws, same on the state, on the state and local laws. So there's a lot at stake. Mr. Biden, Ms. Kamala Harris be just fine if they're in the minority, but the policies that they care about, think about it on inflation. Nobody said a word when you increase the deficit to bail out Wall Street. It's too big to fail. Hmm. You remember that? When you give unprecedented tax cuts to the rich. But when you go and give people money so they can get out of the doldrums of poverty after the worst pandemic in the history of the planet, somehow you turn around and say, oh, that's what caused inflation. Because you help take people out of property. So you're telling people who are poor. <laughs> Wait a minute. Things are going Not because well, you saved Amazon. <laughs> Not because you saved yeah. all these big corporations, but because you yeah. help people eat. So <laughs> that's that what's on the yeah. So vote early. If you got to stay in line, so what? So what? I go by this place, the Breakfast Club, shaking hands, trying to get them to vote. They wait an hour and a half to get some uh, fried chicken and waffles. <laughs> Before they go to the dialysis clinic. <laughs> you know what? You you ain't right. Before they go get the dialysis. Oh, you. <laughs> See, you can tell he's slim, but he goes out and he bikes all the time. We're not going to even pay attention to him, Aaron. I was We're not going to pay attention to him. I was so stressed last night. I was so Go get fried chicken. Bring it in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be right behind you. <laughs> You know, but David Daly, the, the vote is so important. And, you know, you see these people. I think it's a, one of the things that I love about your, he's, these books. You know, we need Greg Palace down there in Texas, but we also need, you need to get Dave Daly out there, down there. you got to have him do a lecture, Commissioner Ellis, because these books, rat effed that you cannot pronounce because I want you to stay on the air, and unrigged, the, you know, it's not a conspiracy, David. It's a plan. To keep you from voting and to keep you from being heard. It's not a conspiracy, David, is it? Oh, is David David still there? Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, we lost you know, I want him oh, to invite him to Texas. You no, know, look, I'm going to give you his number because you got to bring him down there. Because when he goes through these numbers and all of that, I mean, Dr. Starks, it's not a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. It is a plan to keep us yeah. from voting. And it starts with the founding of the republic because everybody wasn't supposed to vote. Exactly. Precisely. Uh, 
I just love the, the, the fact that the commissioner is laying out the relationship between the local down ballot. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and how it impacts the rest of the nation. That's that's a, a point that we've got to uh, point out to our young people because young people, you know, don't vote. He, 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 uh, he was right. Uh, young people do not vote between the ages of 18 and 30, really. Uh, the majority of the voters uh, in the African-American community are people who are over 50, and many of them are women. Is that the case in, in uh, Texas, Commissioner? Oh, yes. Yes, Why? sir. It is. Okay. And many of those women who do vote are church-going people, right? So souls to the polls is absolutely great. But young people don't go to church. They don't, they don't vote, and they don't go to church. Now, when, uh, you know... And the last thing, of course, is that we don't teach government and and civics in public schools anymore. So young people are not exposed to the value of good government and voting. So, so we've got to make sure we, we institute as a requirement, is it, I mean, civics and government in the public school system. Well, you know, if I can say this before we go, I mean, I think about the power. Um, really, you know, Reverend Jackson said, you know, wow, it's when we ran for president that we really began to understand what power was about. I saw that we didn't quite know. He said, but then we, we were in slavery longer than we've been free. I'm mindful of the fact that uh, Commissioner Ellis was the most powerful man in the in the state Senate in Texas. And so when you left the state Senate and became a commissioner, some people had questions. I've got two minutes left. Why? I mean, but when you became a commissioner, it seemed like you had much more influence than you even had as arguably the most most powerful man, aside from the governor, in the Texas state Senate. What is it? Because I think we're missing county and local and statewide offices and just how impactful they are. You impact how we live every day. Well, I've always thought that you have to take whatever position you have and use it to the maximum ability that you can. I hope I did that as a city council member when I started over three decades ago in my 26 years in the Senate was a, a long ride. The place was going so far to the right. You know, we had that big fight over the bathroom bill in Texas. Mm-hmm. I think at, at my age, I just want to get to the bathroom. I don't care who's in there. And <laughs> I, I got tired of the gridlock over a bunch of these family. You know I mean, they go grab these issues that would resonate in the polls. That's, I mean, that's what the biggest bill they're doing. You know, they don't. Don't want men going to the women's back. Come on, it's just you know. Uh, Let me go. For change, <laughs> my predecessor passed away, and I think Amen. you know. Yeah, I said, oh, let me Aaron. try something different. And, and I really hadn't didn't have a sense of what all this office could do. And I, I look, I hope, look, I've been blessed. I learned from Reverend. You know, a whole lot of us ran for office. Because we saw him running for president and figured, you know, I'm going to run for something. He had a whole school of people. You know, I was one of them. I ran in 83. He was having the meetings. You remember those big, big meetings, big mm-hmm. black people meetings that he was having when I was working for Mickey Leland. So I decided, <laughs> look, I think I'll run for something. 
But before he was getting ready to run, the question was whether he runs, see Dolores, Mayna, Andy, you know. He was trying to get them to do again. it. He said, they're yeah, more ma- you're more mainstream than me, <laughs> but I got less than a minute. It belongs to you. It was, it was over Harold Washington's race in Chicago. So look, wherever you are, whatever power you have, you use it to the best of your ability to make a difference. And use the power while you have it, not when you're looking at it in a rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. I hope you'll be with us on Keep Hope Alive on Sunday because I'm telling you, get out there and vote everybody. Vote.org. Plan your vote. Vote your plan. Find out if you have been purged from the rolls. You can rectify that. Find out where you need to vote. If you have a problem at the polls, out.